0: Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey.
1: Previously on Urge to Kill. He
2: comes out of the room and his eyes are all teary. He's like, I I kill
0: a woman.
1: So our main concern, number one, is that nobody else gets hurt.
2: And he said, my worst nightmares have just come true. He has just
1: switched from a missing person to a homicide.
2: We found Kaylee's purse, we found a rock that was used to commit the crime, and we found, you know, pretty pretty damning evidence linking Ed to Kaylee's murder. It's
1: 845 PM, Monday, July twenty-fifth, two days after Kaylee Sawyer went missing. A 19-year-old named Andrea Mays walks out to her car after her double shift at the Ross Dress for Less in Salem, Oregon. She takes a Snapchat selfie before starting her car, when suddenly, a stranger with a gun reaches in through a cracked window. Andrea doesn't know her life is about to change forever. And then
2: everything just happened so fast. He just got into my car and um, just at gunpoint was just forcing me to drive him, so I just did what he had asked me to do. He was just telling me, like, as long as you get me to where I need to go, like, you'll you'll be alive. I'll make sure you're alive.
1: I'm your host, Ashley Korslin. This is Episode 3 of Urge to Kill, a KGW original.
2: Yeah, the devil's gonna die.
1: I first met Andrea Mays while covering this case for a news story. When I started working on this podcast, I knew I needed to interview her because her experience is a big part of the story. When I first reached out to her, I was nervous. I didn't want to screw this up. She went through the unimaginable and lived to talk about it. Her story is incredible, and I wanted to be the one to tell it. I explained the podcast, and she told me she would think about it and get back to me, I knew what that meant, though. She was politely blowing me off. So a couple weeks went by, and I sent her a text message to check in. I knew she was apprehensive about talking to me and would probably tell me no this time. But she doesn't. She tells me yes. And then it should be right there on the right. A few weeks later, we drive to her home in Salem, Oregon, about an hour from Portland.
2: All right, we are here.
1: We pull up to Andrea's home where she lives with her grandma and cousins. It's surrounded by trees and it's sort of hidden away behind a church. As we get out of the car, I wonder if Andrea is religious. What she's gone through could either draw someone to religion or push them away altogether.
2: Grab some equipment.
1: That's my photographer, Eric Patterson.
2: Ready for the
1: Once we get our equipment out of the car, we head up to the front door you want to just walk up first and then yeah. we'll grab? Yeah. I'll, I'll set all this down and I can help you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm completely nervous that we'll scare her off and she'll back out. Hi, Andrea. Hi. Good to see you again. Me too. Hi. Hello, give me a hug. <laughs> oh, you look beautiful. This Thank is you. Eric. Do you remember hey, Eric? Yeah, from EG. Yeah. 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 Thank you. And then um, Destiny and Mila are grabbing coffee, so they should okay. be on their Sounds way. Sounds
0: in for a big one.
1: We don't want to intimidate her any more than we already have, so we try to be nonchalant about all the gear, the cameras, lights. It can be a lot. <laughs> um, awesome. So Eric's got some gear to set up. Okay. Um, Andrea's only done one other interview that I know of. That was with Dateline NBC. Did they have a huge crew when they like with lights and all they that stuff? Had more people they did. had way more. That was probably way more than what we're. You know, we won't intimidate okay. you too much. No, <laughs> <that's fine. laughs> so. Let's see. I guess where, where do you where would you want where do you feel to? most comfortable? Um, maybe like in
2: the living room. in the living room. In the living room, okay. sure.
1: Yeah. She is so soft-spoken. It's almost hard for me to hear her at first, which makes me wonder how this interview is going to go. We sit down in the living room, and I admire her natural beauty. She is striking. She has long, dark, wavy hair and a small nose ring. Yeah, perfect. We do a little small talk, and then I ask her about her family.
2: Yeah, so I grew up in a really, really small town in Wapato, Washington. Um, Born in Yakima, so it's like a 20-minute drive from there. But very small, so just everyone kind of knows everybody. Our family was mostly there at the time, but then everyone kind of spread out and went their own ways. Just give me a little glimpse into your life right
1: now. Like, what what do you do for work? Um, What do you like to do for fun?
2: Uh, Well, right now I work at a call center for T-Mobile, and for the most part, I really like it. I like everyone I work with. But when I'm not working, I usually have my Jeep I'm doing some exploring. or um, I, I love being outdoors, so I like hiking or just going to the lake or anything to do with outdoors. I'm, I'm there.
1: I asked her to take us back to the summer of 2016 and the night everything changed. Whatever you're comfortable sharing, but let's just kind of start, if, if we can, just from the beginning of what happened.
2: So take us back to the night you were working when this all happened. Um, I ended up working a double shift that day because I had someone I had called out or something so I was like, sure, you know, I have nothing else to do, I'll stay and take their shift. Um, but by the time everything was done, it was like 9 o'clock already. And so
1: Andrea leaves her shift at Ross and walks out
2: to her car. She takes a quick Snapchat selfie and then checks Facebook. And then I was sitting in my car. Um, And then that's when I had gotten a Facebook notification. So I had my car on, I had the doors locked, but like the windows were cracked a little bit just because it was like really muggy in the car. But I always had known, like my mom would always tell me, like, you know, never like leave your car unlocked and sitting there. And like, I always had those things in my head. So I was like, okay, doors are locked. I'm fine.
1: She's about to hit send on a Facebook message
2: when an arm shoots through her window. And he was like really pressed up against my window, so I didn't see a face. And at the time I thought it was like just a coworker playing a prank on me or someone I knew, like I never in a million years would have thought like what was happening was actually happening. But
1: it's not a coworker. It's Edwin Lara. And he gets into the car with a backpack and a gun. He points it at Andrea. Do you remember the, the first words he said to you?
2: I just remember him like getting in and he was just like, just drive, drive, you need to drive, like I need to get out of here. And I, he just kept repeating those things. Do you even remember what you said next? I'd never had really realized like the fight, flight, or freeze mode when you're like in a situation like that. I completely froze. And I remember like everything, every part of me was like on fire, like numb. I was like hyperventilating. I remember I just started driving. Like I had no idea where I was going. In my head, he was just like, take me to where I need to go and I'll let you go. And I was like, okay, like down the street, sure. Like I will go drop you off wherever you want, that's fine. Um, Not really realizing he was trying to go to California. So we were starting to drive down the freeway and I'm just like, okay, where am I taking you? Like, and then that's when he told me, he's like, I need to get to California. And I'm like, okay, things are different now.
1: And then Edwin tells Andrea that he's killed someone
2: I remember I just like went into a shock like I had no idea what to do like I always told my mom like if something were to ever happen to me like I would rather die before I would let someone do something to me but it's crazy when you're in that moment like you don't think the same you don't think like well I'm just going to jump out of the car I'm just going to ram this car into another car you think more logically like what am I going to do to make sure I stay alive what can I do to ensure that like when your life is actually on the line everything changes you can think now like oh I would have done that or I would have done that but not until you're in that position then you'll realize it's completely different all she can do in that moment
1: is listen to his demands so she drives Was it, like, in the movies, you know, when time stands still, but then everything's spinning at the same time? That's what I would imagine.
2: Yeah, and it was, like, still kind of daylight. So I'm just, like, how did no one, like, know, like, or notice anything? Like, I don't know, it was so weird. It it was, like, completely crazy. Everything just was, like, stopped.
1: Edwin starts spilling to Andrea about what he's done. He says he killed a woman and then fled his home in Redmond, he drove to his parents' house to ditch his car and took theirs instead. He drove two and a half hours northwest to Salem. And then he admits to waiting, almost hunting, for the perfect woman to kidnap.
2: I guess the car he was using broke down or something at the mall, or I'm not sure where the car was, but he said he was at the mall looking for people there first. And that's when he saw like the pregnant lady. Um, and he went to like ask her something and she like really just brushed him off and kept walking and his comment to me about It was like little does she know what I could have done to her and I'm just like this guy is crazy To even think that like he was hunting for a woman Yeah, he was
1: for you. Yeah, I mean u- ultimately it ended like that
2: Yeah, and that's how it felt a hundred percent because he said when he was at Ross He saw me walk to my car to get my bag to return it He watched me walk back into the store, and then he saw me come back out again and get into my car. So he watched me the whole time, and it just, like, gives me chills thinking, like, you never know when you're out and about who's watching you.
0: Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Growing
1: up here, dealing with everything that's going on now, I'm surprised this town's even standing. Bardstown, Kentucky is a small town in the heart of the bluegrass state. But Bardstown, Kentucky also has secrets. Five unsolved murders over four years, rumors and theories, and still no one is behind bars. I've been 100% grateful. Listen to what I'm saying. You listen to what I'm saying. Bardstown, a new podcast from Vault Studios. It's been you know, almost six years. There's still not a lot of answers. Just a warning, what you're about to hear may be triggering or upsetting to survivors of sexual assault or violence. Andrea starts driving south toward Northern California. She only makes it about an hour when Edwin tells her to pull off to the side of the road. She's driving too fast. He doesn't want to get pulled over by police.
2: Uh, And that's where he like handcuffed me to my gear shifter thing and had me hop to the passenger side. And he got on to the driver's seat Um, and then he kept driving the rest of the way. Um, So I, I really didn't drive very far, but he drove most of the way to California. And then the whole time he was just talking to me, trying to like find out who I was, my life, like siblings and friends and boyfriends and just trying to make small talk, and I just kept telling him, like, I don't want to answer your questions, and I would just shut him down, like, I'm like, if you're going to do anything to me, regardless, like, I can't stop it, but I'm not going to give you information to other people, the people I care about that you could potentially harm too, Um, and so I don't know, he just, he never really was forcefully trying to get information out of me, he was more trying to just, like, like, have a conversation? Yeah, and it was completely the weirdest thing ever because he was, like, on his phone showing me pictures of, like, him and his wife, and, like, he's like, oh, I'm a cop, and I don't know if you've heard of what happened, the girl I just killed, and um, he was, like, trying to show me the article, and I had no idea what was going on at the time, um, but I was just like, this guy is, like, on something, or, like, something is just not all there, like, is, I don't know what's going on or what to do, but I'm just going to try to do what he wants, so... He can maybe just leave me alone, and I can just go back home. Did you think he was going to kill you? Um, I did. Like, I don't. Well, I don't think in the moment I felt like he was going to kill me because I had been like cooperating and like doing what he had asked to drive or sit here or do that. Because you felt like maybe he would, if he keep you alive or
1: take care of you if you complied. So
2: I kind of had that mentality. Like, as long as I do what he asks, and I'm like not you know, getting all crazy, like, you know, just keeping my cool with things, like, maybe he'll just, you know, and I, in a way, I kind of feel like he did, because at one point, when we were driving, I was like, I really need to go to the bathroom, and he was like, well, you need to wait, and I'm like, no, I really need to go to the bathroom, so he pulled over, and I'm like, what kidnapper pulls over to, like, let their person go to the bathroom, like, so I feel like, in a way, like, I always had control over the situation, even though I didn't have the control, I was still, like, calling certain shots, or I was still, like, saying no to certain things. It probably surprised him that (laughs) you did stand up to him a bit. Yeah. I would think.
1: I think so. They drive for several hours late into the night. They're in southern Oregon now, and Edwin's getting tired. He tells Andrea they're going to stop and stay in a roadside motel. They pull up and park right in front of a check-in window, A surveillance camera records them as they talk to the clerk at the front desk, who's behind the window. Andrea's wearing a dark dress and her hair is up in a messy bun. She's standing with her arms crossed. Edwin, who still has a gun, is wearing a baseball hat and jeans. His back is to the surveillance camera. Did you walk with him up to the desk? I mean, do you remember like looking at the the front desk clerk thinking like, help me? Or what was that like?
2: Yeah, the way it was set up, it was like the little office was like outside. So it wasn't like in a building. Um, But he had told me like the same thing when we had gone into the gas station. He was just like, you know, don't make any eye contact. I will shoot them and I'll shoot you. I don't care. So if you want to make sure that you guys stay alive, don't make eye contact. Don't make any gestures. Don't do anything. Just look down and he made me pretend to like be his girlfriend and like hold my hand and it was the most awful feeling ever like being forced to like act like something when you know what's going on and someone doesn't see that like i always wondered how the motel clerk did not notice any weird signs like i'm this like young looking girl with the older looking guy like and i looked completely tore up i had no makeup i had been crying The
1: clerk doesn't notice at all. He hands Edwin the room key and the two get back in their car and drive around the motel to their room. When they get inside, Edwin handcuffs Andrea to the bathroom door. For some reason, he wraps a t-shirt around her head to cover her eyes while he showers. She can't see anything, but she can hear the water eventually stop. Edwin gets out of the shower and then tells her to get in.
2: But Andrea refuses. Um, I had told him, I was like, well, I didn't even bring clothes. Like, what do you expect me to change into? And he was like, I was like, I didn't expect to be kidnapped. Like, and I just like had made little remarks and he never would like say anything back. And I was just like thinking back. I'm like, wow, like I was very gutsy to say things like that to him, knowing like he had a gun and he had just told me he had killed somebody. And Did he talk a lot about, um, when he talked
1: about what he did in Bend and with Kaylee, did he seem proud or scared or confused? What did he seem like?
2: He definitely didn't seem confused. He knew exactly what he did. Um, Not proud, but just like, I did that. Like, oh well. Like he had no remorse for anything. And that's when I knew when he would talk about it. I was just like, yeah, this guy is something else. And Like he, the whole time when we were driving, he kept still trying to make conversation with me just to talk and he started talking about his life and his family and he was saying how his family comes from like a long line of like vicious murderers and like he was giving me their names and he's like, yeah, you can look them up. But it was like he idolized them. Yeah, yeah.
1: Edwin forces Andrea to the bed and handcuffs her to the frame. He takes out a bottle of sleeping pills and a handful of syringes. His mom is diabetic and kept them in her car, which Edwin had taken. That's where Edwin found the needles. He tells Andrea that if she doesn't voluntarily swallow the sleeping pills, he will inject her. He's willing to do anything to sedate her.
2: He had told me he could either, he's like, you need to take some sleeping medicine. He's like, I'll either inject it to you or you can take it through this pill. And I never really remember seeing like what it was. It was probably like some, I don't know, like I don't know what kind of sleeping medicine there is out there. But I do remember after I had taken the pill cause I was like, I'm not letting you inject anything into me. Um, I remember after I took it, I was starting to get really tired. I just worked a double shift that day. Mind you, it's like past midnight already. It's like past one in the morning. I was extremely tired from working. So with the sleeping pill, it just, like, felt like I had taken, like, five, ten melatonins, and I was getting very, very groggy, very tired, and I remember I just kept trying to fight it and keep myself awake. I
1: just can't imagine what was even going through your mind in that moment.
2: Yeah, I just kept thinking, like, if I fall asleep, like, he would probably try to, knowing how disturbing he is, he probably would even still try to, like, take advantage of me or something, so... That was my motivation for, like, trying to make sure I stayed awake.
1: Out of nowhere, an alarm on her phone goes off, and it startles Edwin.
2: It all happened, like, in the perfect moment because we were both laying in the same bed, and that's when he had, like, turned over and he, like, licked my earlobe. And I could tell where this was going to start going towards, and I was like, oh, no, like, no, this is not going to happen. And then that's when my phone had gone off.
1: It's enough to rattle Edwin and buy Andrea a few seconds to think. So when you're in the hotel room, you came up with a pretty um, oh. genius plan. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know what else to call it. Like, Walk us through what happened and what, how you outsmarted him.
2: Yeah, um... I don't know how the idea just like popped into my head. Like I said, I remember my phone just had gone off and he had my phone at the time, so he like looked at it and it was like an alarm. And for some reason that like really worried him and he was like, what's this alarm for? And he was just like asking me a million questions.
1: It's almost as if Edwin thinks the alarm is a signal for the police to bust into the room at any moment. He badgers her
2: for an answer about why her phone is going off. At the time I was just like, "Um, it's my alarm to take my medicine. And he was like, for what? And I was like, I have an STD and I take medicine every day and I have to like control it or else, you know, it's really harmful for me. And he just started asking me like a bunch of questions, like trying to figure out like what it was exactly. And I was just trying to make it sound as disgusting as possible to like defer him. And ultimately it did work. So, I mean, he didn't know.
1: The story about an STD is a lie and it worked. Andrea saves herself from a potential sexual assault, but she knows Edwin's dangerous, so she tries to stay awake.
2: And suddenly, Edwin gets a phone call. He, like, started talking to someone on the phone in Spanish, and, like, I do understand Spanish, but um, there's, like, different dialects, so I feel like what kind of Spanish he spoke, just I didn't understand everything 100%, and probably because I was also very tired but I was picking up bits and pieces and he was talking to someone about like, he was like, yeah, no, I'll I'll be leaving now. Like, I gotta go. He's like, "They're, they're sending helicopters. Like, he's like, yeah, I hear them. And he kept talking about hearing helicopters. So after that phone call, he was like, we gotta go, let's go.
1: Andrea pleads with him to take her car and leave her in the motel room, but he is not willing to let her get away.
2: And he was still like, no, you need to come with me, like, basically still trying to use me as, like, a human shield. He kept saying, like, if something were to happen, like, they wouldn't shoot him if I was there.
1: And just like that, they're back on the road and on the run again. But they're not going to get far before Edwin tries to take the life of yet another innocent person.
2: Next time on Urge to Kill. All I remember is like hearing the gun go off and like everything just started ringing and everything was blacked out. Uh, I
0: yelled for help. He said, I'll shoot you, and I yelled for help again, and he shot
2: me. No, one what's your emergency?
0: There's a gentleman who says he got shot in the stomach.
1: Edwin Lara takes a drastic step to escape as police close in.
0: And he pointed a gun at my head saying, like, driver, will shoot. He said, I've already killed two people already. I don't want to kill anymore. This, is, this seems straight out of a movie, and he's like, yeah, well, it's real life.
1: Urge to Kill is a KGW and Vault Studios production. Please subscribe and leave us a rating or review. We've got a lot more information, including videos and pictures, on KGW.com slash Urge to Kill. You can also follow us on Instagram at Urge to Kill Podcast and join the Urge to Kill Facebook group on KGW's Facebook page. This show is written and hosted by me, Ashley Korslan. It's produced by me, Destiny Johnson, and Mila Mamitsa. It's edited by Zachary Carver and Destiny Johnson. Original artwork by Jeff Patterson and videography by Eric Patterson. Special thanks to Ellen Boynton and KGW Management and staff. If you or a loved one are a victim of sexual assault, help is available 24-7. Call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1 800 656 4673. Or you can find help at www.online.rain.org. That's R A I N N.